Chapter 5, verses 11 through 19 of Catina Aurea, Commentary on the Four Gospels, Collected Out of the Works of the Fathers, by St. Thomas Aquinas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verses 11 and 12. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Rabanus. The preceding blessings were general. He now begins to address his discourse to them that were present, foretelling them the persecutions which they should suffer for his name. Augustine. It may be asked what difference there is between they shall revile you and shall speak all manner of evil of you. To revile, it may be said, being but to speak evil of. But a reproach thrown with insult in the face of one present is a different thing from a slanderer cast on the character of the absent. To persecute includes both open violence and secret snares. Pseudo-Chrysostom. But if it be true that he who offers a cup of water does not lose his reward, consequently he who has been wronged, but by a single word of calumny, shall not be without reward but that the reviled may have a claim to this blessing, two things are necessary. It must be false, and it must be for God's sake. Otherwise, he is not the reward of this blessing. Therefore, he adds, falsely for my sake. Augustine. This, I suppose, was added because of those who wish to boast of persecutions and evil reports of their shame, and therefore claim to belong to Christ, because many evil things are said of them. But either these are true, or when false, yet they are not for Christ's sake. Gregory, what hurt can you receive when men detract from you, though you have no defense but only your own conscience? But as we ought not to stir up willfully the tongues of slanderers, lest they perish for their slander, yet when their own malice has instigated them, we should endure it with equanimity, that our merit may be added to. Rejoice, he says, and exult. For your reward is abundant in heaven. Gloss. Rejoice, that is, in mind. Exult with the body. For your reward is not great only, but abundant in heaven. Augustine. Do not suppose that by heaven here is meant the upper regions of the sky of this visible world. For your reward is not to be placed in things that are seen, but by in heaven understand the spiritual firmament, where everlasting righteousness dwells. Those, then, whose joy is in things spiritual will even here have some foretaste of that reward. But it will be made perfect in every part when this mortal shall have put on immortality. Jerome. This it is in the power of any one of us to attain. But when our good character is injured by calumny, we rejoice in the Lord. He only who seeks after empty glory cannot attain this. Let us then rejoice and exult that a reward may be prepared for us in heaven. Pseudo-Chrysostom, for by how much any is pleased with the praise of men, by so much is he grieved with their evil speaking. But if you seek your glory in heaven, you will not fear any slanderers on earth. Gregory, yet ought we sometimes to check our defamers, lest by spreading evil reports of us they corrupt the innocent hearts of those who might hear good from us. Gloss, he invites them to patience, not only by the prospect of reward, but by example. When he adds, For so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. Rigmig. 
For a man in sorrow receives great comfort from the recollection of the sufferings of others, who are set before him as an example of patience, as if he had said, Remember that ye are his apostles, of whom they were prophets. Chrysostom. At the same time he signifies his equality and honor with his father, as if he had said, As they suffered for my father, so shall ye suffer for me. And in saying the prophets who were before you, he teaches that they themselves are already become prophets. Augustine. Persecuted, he says generally, comprehending both reproaches and defamation of character. Verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out, and to be trodden underfoot of men. Chrysostom. When he had delivered to his apostles such sublime precepts, so much greater than the precepts of the law, that they might not be dismayed, and say, How shall we be able to fulfill these things? He soothes their fears by mingling praises with his instructions, saying, Ye are the salt of the earth. This shows them how necessary were these precepts for them, not for your own salvation merely, or for a single nation, but for the whole world is this doctrine committed to you. It is not for you, then, to flatter and deal smoothly with men, but, on the contrary, to be rough and biting as salt is. When, for thus offending men, by reproving them, ye are reviled, rejoice, for this is the proper effect of salt, to be harsh and grating to the deprived palate. Thus the evil speaking of others will bring you no inconvenience, but will rather be a testimony of your firmness. Hilary, there may be here seen a proprietary in our Lord's language, which may be gathered by considering the Apostle's office and the nature of salt. This used as it is by men for almost every purpose, preserves from decay those bodies which are sprinkled with it, and in this as well as in every sense of its flavor as a condiment, the parallel is most exact. The apostles are preachers of heavenly things, and thus, as it were, salters with eternity, rightly called the salts of the earth, as by the virtue of their teaching. They, as it were, salt and preserves bodies for eternity. Rigmig. Moreover, the salt is changed into another kind of substance by three means, water, the heat of the sun, and the breath of the wind. Thus apostolic men also were changed into spiritual regeneration by the water of baptism, the heat of love, and the breath of the Holy Spirit. That heavenly wisdom also, which the apostles preached, dries up the humors of carnal works, removes the foulness and putrefaction of evil conversation, kills the work of lustful thoughts, and also that worm of which it is said, the worm dieth not. Rigmig. The apostles are the salt of the earth, that is, of worldly men who are called the earth, because they love this earth, Jerome, or because by apostles the whole human race is seasoned. Pseudochrysostom, a doctor, when he is adorned with all the preceding virtues, then is like good salt, and his whole people are salted by seeing and hearing him. Rigmig, it should be known that in the Old Testament no sacrifice was offered to God unless it were first sprinkled with salt, for none can present an acceptable sacrifice to God without the flavor of heavenly wisdom. Hilary. And because man is ever liable to change, 
he therefore warns the apostles who have been entitled the salt of the earth to continue steadfast in the might of the power committed to them when he adds if the salt have lost its savor wherewith shall it be salted jerome that is if the doctor have erred by what other doctor shall he be corrected augustine if you by whom the nations are to be salted shall lose the kingdom of heaven through fear of temporal persecution who are they by whom your error shall be corrected another copy has if the salt have lost its sense showing that they must be esteemed to have lost their sense who either pursuing abundance or fearing lack of temporal goods lose those which are eternal and which men can neither give nor take away hilary but if the doctors having become senseless and having lost all the savour they once enjoyed are unable to restore soundness to things corrupt they are become useless they are thenceforth fit only to be cast out and trodden by men jerome the illustration is taken from husbandry salt though it be necessary for seasoning of meats and preserving flesh has no further use indeed we read in scriptures of vanquished cities sown with salt by the victors that nothing should thenceforth grow there gloss when they who are the heads have fallen away they are fit for no use but to be cast out from the office of teacher gloss or even cast out of the church's storerooms to be trodden underfoot by those that walk by augustine not that he suffers persecution is trodden under foot of men but he who through fear of persecution falls away for we can tread only on what is below us but he is no way below us who whoever much he may suffer in the body yet has his heart fixed in heaven verse fourteen ye are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid gloss as the doctors by their good conversation are the salt with which the people are salted so by their word of doctrine they are the light by which the ignorant are enlightened pseudo chrysostom but to live well must go before to teach well hence after he had called the apostles the salt he goes on to call them the light of the world or for that salt preserves a thing in its present state that it should not change for the worse but that light brings it into a better state by enlightening it therefore the apostles were first called salts with respect to the jews and that christian body which had the knowledge of god and which they keep in that knowledge and now the light with respect to the gentiles whom they bring to the light of that knowledge augustine by the world here we must not understand heaven and earth but the men who are in the world or those who love the world for whose enlightenment the apostles were sent hilary it is the nature of a light to emit its rays whithersoever it is carried about and when brought into a house to dispel the darkness of that house thus the world placed beyond the pale of the knowledge of god was held in the darkness of ignorance till the light of knowledge was brought to it by the apostles and thenceforward the knowledge of god shone bright and from their small bodies whithersoever they went about light is ministered to the darkness rigmig for the sun sends forth its beams so the lord the son of righteousness sent forth his apostles to dispel the night of the human race chrysostom mark how great his promise to them men who were scarce known in their own country that the fame of them should reach the ends of the earth the persecutions which he had foretold 
were not able to dim their light. Yea, they made it but more conspicuous. Jerome, he instructs them what should be the boldness of their preaching, that as apostles they should not be hidden through fear, like lamps under a corn measure, but should stand forth with all confidence. And what they have heard in the secret chambers they declare upon the housetops. Chrysostom, thus showing them that they ought to be careful of their own walk and conversation, seeing that they were set in the eyes of all, like a city on a hill or a lamp on a stand. Pseudo Chrysostom, this city is the church of which it is said, Glorious things are spoken of thee, thou city of God. Its citizens are all the faithful, of whom the apostle speaks. Ye are fellow citizens of the saints. It is built upon Christ the hill, of whom Daniel thus, a stone hewed without hands, became a great mountain. Augustine, or the mountain is the great righteousness, which is signified by the mountain from which the Lord is now teaching. Pseudochrysostom, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, though it would. The mountain which bears makes it to be seen by all men. So the apostles and priests who are founded on Christ cannot be hidden, even though they would, because Christ makes them manifest. Hilary, or the city signifies the flesh which he had taken on him, because that in him, by this assumption of human nature, there was, as it were, a collection of the human race, and we, by partaking in his flesh, become inhabitants of that city. He cannot therefore be hid, because, being set in the height of God's power, he is offered to be contemplated of all men in admiration of his works. Pseudochrysostom, how Christ manifests his saints, suffering them not to be hid, he shows by another comparison, adding, Neither do men light a lamp to put it under a corn measure, but on a stand. Chrysostom, or in the illustration of the city, he signified his own power. By the lamp he exhorts the apostles to preach with boldness, as though he said, I indeed have lighted the lamp, but that it continue to burn will be your care, not for your own sakes only, but both for those who shall receive its light and for God's glory. Pseudochrysostom. The lamp is the divine word, of which it is said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. They who light this lamp are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Augustine. With what meaning do we suppose the words, to put it under a corn measure, were said, to express concealment simply, or that corn measure has a special signification? The putting the lamp under the corn measure means the preferring bodily ease and enjoyment to the duty of preaching the gospel, and hiding the light of good teaching under temporal gratification. The corn measure aptly denotes the things of the body, whether because our reward shall be measured out to us, as each one shall receive the things done in the body, or because worldly goods which pertain to the body come and go within a certain measure of time, which is signified by the corn measure, whereas things eternal and spiritual are contained within no such limits. He places his lamp upon a stand, who subdues his body to the ministry of the word, setting the preaching of the truth highest, and subjecting the body beneath it. For the body itself serves to make doctrine shine more clear, while the voice and the other motions of the body in good works serve to recommend it to them that learn. Pseudochrysostom. Or men of the world may be figured in the corn measure, as these are empty above, but full beneath. So worldly men are foolish in spiritual things, but wise in earthly things, and therefore, like a corn measure, 
to keep the word of God hid, whenever, for any worldly cause, he had not dared to proclaim the word openly, and the truth of the faith. The stand for the lamp is the church which bears the word of life, and all ecclesiastical persons. Hilary, or the Lord likened the synagogue to the corn measure, which only receiving within itself such fruit as was raised contained a certain measure of limited obedience. Ambrose, and therefore let none shut up his faith within the measure of the law, but have recourse to the church in which the grace of the sevenfold spirit shines forth. Bede, or Christ himself has lighted this lamp when he filled the earthen vessel of human nature with the fire of his divinity, which he would not either hide from them that believe, nor put under a bushel that is shut up under the measure of the law, or confine within the limits of any one oration. The lampstand is the church on which he set the lamp, when he affixed to our foreheads the faith of his incarnation, Hilary, or the lamp, i.e. Christ himself, is set on its stand, when he was suspended on the cross in his passion, to give light forever to those that dwell in the church. To give light, he says, to all that are in the house. Augustine, for it is not absurd if any one will understand the house to be the church, or the house may be the world itself, according to what he said above. Ye are the light of the world. Hilary, he instructs the apostles to shine with such a light, that in the admiration of their work God may be praised. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works. Pseudo Chrysostom, that is, teaching with so pure a light, that men may not only hear your words, but see your works, that those whom as lamps ye have enlightened by the word, as salt ye may season by your example. For by those teachers who do as well as teach, God is magnified. For the disciple of the master is seen in the behavior of the family, and therefore it follows that they shall glorify your Father which is in heaven. Augustine, had he only said that they may see your good works, he would have seemed to have set up as an end to be sought the praises of men, which the hypocrites desire. But by adding and glorify your Father, he teaches that we should not seek as an end to please men with our good works, but referring all the glory of God. Therefore seek to please men, that in that God may be glorified. Hilary, he means not that we should seek glory of men, but that though we conceal it, our work may shine forth in honor of God to those among whom we live. Verse 17 through 19. Think not that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I came not to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Gloss. Having now exhorted his hearers to undergo all things for righteousness' sake, and also not to hide what they should receive, but to learn more for others' sake, that they may teach others, he now goes on to tell them what they should teach, as though he had been asked, What is this which you would not have hid, and for which you would have all things endured? Are you about to speak anything beyond what is written in the law and the prophets? Hence it is, he says, Think not that I am come to subvert the law or the prophets. Pseudo Chrysostom. And that for two reasons, 
first that by these words he might admonish his disciples, that as he fulfilled the law, so they should strive to fulfill it. Secondly, because the Jews would falsely accuse them as subverting the law, therefore he answers the calumny beforehand, but in such a manner as that he should not be thought to come simply to preach the law as the prophets had done. Rigmig. He here asserts two things. He denies that he was to come to subvert the law, and affirms that he was come to fulfill it. Augustine. In this last sentence again, there is a double sense, to fulfill the law either by adding something which it had not, or by doing what it commands. Chrysostom. Christ then fulfilled the prophets by accomplishing what was therein foretold concerning himself and the law, first by transgressing none of its precepts, secondly by justifying by faith, which the law could not do by the letter. Augustine. And lastly, because even for them who were under grace, it was hard in this mortal life to fulfill that of the law, thou shalt not lust. He being made a priest by the sacrifice of his flesh, obtained for us this indulgence, even in this fulfilling the law, that where, through our infirmity, we could not, we should be strengthened through his perfection, of whom, as our head, we all are members. For so I think must be taken these words, to fulfill the law, by adding to it, that is, such things as either contribute to the explanation of the old glosses, or to enable to keep them. For the Lord has showed us that even a wicked motion of the thoughts to the wrong of a brother is to be accounted a kind of murder. The Lord also teaches us that it is better to keep near to the truth without swearing than with a true oath to come near to blasphemy. Id. But how, ye Manichaeans, do you not receive the law and the prophets, seeing Christ here says that he is come not to subvert but to fulfill them? To this the heretic Fastus replies, Whose testimony is there that Christ spoke this? That of Matthew? How was it then that John does not give this saying? Who was with him in the mount, but only Matthew? Who did not follow Jesus till after he had come down from the mount? To this Augustine replies, If none can speak truth concerning Christ, but who saw and heard him, there is no one at this day who speaks truth concerning him. Why then could not Matthew hear from John's mouth the truth as Christ had spoken, as well as we who are born so long after can speak the truth out of John's book? In the same manner also it is that not Matthew's gospel, but also these of Luke and Mark are received by us, and on no inferior authority, and that the Lord himself might have told Matthew the things that he had done before he called him. But speak out, and say that you do not believe the gospel. For they who believe nothing in the gospel, but what they wish to believe, believe themselves rather than the gospel. To this Fastus rejoins, We will prove that this was not written by Matthew, but by some other hand, unknown in his name. For below he says, Jesus saw a man sitting at the toll office, Matthew by name, who, writing of himself, says, saw a man, and not rather saw me. Augustine. Matthew does no more than John does, when he says, Peter, turning round, saw that other disciple whom Jesus loved. And it is well known that this is the common manner of scripture writers, when writing their own actions. Fastus again. But what say you to this? 
that the very assurance that he was not to come to destroy the law and the prophets was the direct way to rouse their suspicions that he was for he had yet done nothing that could lead the jews to think that this was his object augustine this is a very weak objection for we do not deny that to the jews who had no understanding christ might have appeared as threatening the destruction of the law and the prophets Pastus. but what if the law and the prophets do not accept this fulfillment according to that in deuteronomy these commandments that i give unto thee thou shalt keep and thou shalt not add anything to them nor take away augustine here Fastus does not understand what it is to fulfill the law when he supposes that it must be taken of adding words to it the fulfillment of the law is love which the lord hath given in sending his holy spirit the law is fulfilled either when the things there commanded are done or when the things there prophesied come to pass Fastus. but in that we confess that jesus was the author of a new testament what else is it than to confess that he has done away with the old augustine in the old testament were figures of things to come which when the things themselves were bought in by christ ought to have been taken away that in that very taking away the law and the prophets might be fulfilled wherein it was written that god gave a new testament Fastus. therefore if christ did say this thing he either said it with some other meaning or he spoke it falsely which god forbid or we must take the other alternative he did not speak it at all but that jesus spoke falsely none will aver therefore he either spoke it with another meaning or he spake it not at all for myself i am rescued from the necessity of this alternative by the manichaean belief which from the first taught me not to believe all those things which are read in jesus name as having been spoken by him for that there may be many terrors which to corrupt the good seed some nightly sower has scattered up and down through nearly the whole of scripture augustine manichaeus taught an impious error that you should receive only so much of the gospel as does not conflict with your heresy and not receive whatever does conflict with it we have learned of the apostle that religious caution whoever preaches unto you another gospel than that we have preached let him be accursed the lord also has explained what the tares signify not things falsely mixed with the true scriptures as you interpret but men who are children of the wicked one Fastus, should a jew then inquire of you why you do not keep the precepts of the law and the prophets which christ here declares he came not to destroy but to fulfill you will be driven either to accept an empty superstition or to repudiate this chapter as false or to deny that you are christ's disciple augustine the catholics are not in any difficulty on account of this chapter as though they did not observe the law and the prophets for they do cherish love to god and their neighbor on which hang all the law and the prophets and whatever in the law and the prophets was foreshown whether in things done in the celebration of sacramental rites or in forms of speech all these they know to be fulfilled in christ and the church wherefore we neither submit to a false superstition nor reject the chapter nor deny ourselves to be christ's disciples he then who says that unless christ had destroyed the law and the prophets the mosaic rites would have continued along with the christian ordinances may further affirm that unless christ had destroyed the law and the prophets 
he would yet be only promised as to be born to suffer to rise again but inasmuch as he did not destroy but rather fulfill them his birth passion and resurrection are now no more promised as things future which are signified by the sacraments of the law but he is preached as already born crucified and risen which are signified by the sacraments now celebrated by christians it is clear then how great is the error of those who suppose that when the signs or sacraments are changed the things themselves are different whereas the same things which the prophetic ordinance had held forth as promises the evangelic ordinance points to as completed fastus supposing these to be christ's genuine words we should inquire what was his motive for speaking thus whether to soften the blind hostility of the jews who when they saw their holy things trodden underfoot by him would not have so much as given him a hearing or whether he really said them to instruct us who of the gentiles should believe to submit to the yoke of the law if this last were not his design then the first must have been nor was there any deceit or fraud in such purpose for of laws there be three sorts the first that of the hebrews called the law of sin and death by paul the second that of the gentiles which he calls the law of nature saying by nature the gentiles do the deeds of the law the third the law of truth which he names the law of the spirit of life also there are prophets some of the jews such as are well known others of the gentiles as paul speaks a prophet of their own hath said and others of the truth of whom jesus speaks i send unto you wise men and prophets now had jesus in the following part of this sermon brought forward any of the hebrew observances to show how he had fulfilled them no one would have doubted that it was of the jewish law and prophets that he was now speaking but when he brings forward in this way only those more ancient precepts thou shalt not kill thou shalt not commit adultery which were promulgated of old to enoch seth and the other righteous men who does not see that he is here speaking of the law and prophets of truth wherever he has occasion to speak of anything merely jewish he plucks it up by the very roots giving precepts directly to the contrary for example in the case of the precept an eye for an eye a tooth for a tooth augustine which was the law and which the prophets that christ came not to subvert but to fulfill is manifest to wit the law given by moses and the distinction which fastest draws between the precepts of the righteous men before moses and the mosaic law affirming that christ fulfilled the one but annulled the other is not so we affirm that the law of moses was both well suited to its temporary purpose and was now not subverted but fulfilled by christ as will be seen in the particular this was not understood by those who continued in such obstinate error that they compelled the gentiles to judaize those heretics i mean who were called nazarenes Sue chrysostom but since all things which should befall from the very beginning of the world to the end of it were in type and figure foreshown in the law that god may not be thought to be ignorant of any of those things that take place he therefore here declares that heaven and earth shall not pass away till all things thus foreshown in the law should have their actual accomplishment rigmig amen is a hebrew word and may be rendered in latin fere edentur or fiat that is truly faithfully or so be it the lord uses it either because of the hardness of the hearts of those who were slow to believe or to attract more particularly the attention of those that did believe 
Hilary. From the expression here used, pass, we may suppose that the continuing elements of heaven and earth shall not be annihilated. Rigmig. But shall abide in their essence, but pass through renewal. Augustine. By the words one iota or one point shall not pass from the law, we must understand only a strong metaphor of completeness. Drawn from the letters of writing, iota being the least of the letters, made with one stroke of the pen, and a point being a slight dot at the end of the letter. The words there show that the law shall be completed to the very least matter. Robin. He fitly mentions the Greek iota, and not the Hebrew jod, because the iota stands in Greek for the number ten, and so there is an allusion to the Decalogue, of which the gospel is the point of perfection. Pseudo-Chrysostom. If even an honorable man blushes to be found in a falsehood, and a wise man lets not fall empty any word he has once spoken, how could it be that the words of heaven should fall to the ground empty? Hence he concludes, Whoso shall break the least of these commandments, etc. And I suppose the Lord goes on to reply himself to the question, Which are the least commandments? Namely, these which I am now about to speak. Chrysostom. He speaks not this of the old laws, but of those which he was now going to enact, of which he says the least, though they were all great. For as he so oft spoke humbly of himself, so does he now speak humbly of his precepts. Pseudo Chrysostom. Otherwise the precepts of Moses are easy to obey. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery. The very greatness of the crime is a check upon the desire of committing it. Therefore the reward of observance is small, the sin of transgression great. But Christ's precepts, Thou shalt not be angry, thou shalt not lust, are hard to obey, and therefore in the reward they are great, in their transgression least. It is thus he speaks of these precepts of Christ, such as Thou shalt not be angry, thou shalt not lust, as the least, and they who commit the lesser sins are the least in the kingdom of God. That is, he who is angry and not sin grievously is secure from the punishment of eternal damnation. Yet he does not attain the glory which they attain who fulfill even these least. Augustine. Or the precepts of the law are called the least as opposed to Christ's precepts, which are great. The least commandments are signified by the iota and the point. He therefore who breaks them and teaches men so, that is, to do as he does, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Hence we may perhaps conclude that it is not true that there shall none be there except they be great. Gloss. By break is meant the not doing what one understands rightly, or the not understanding what one has corrupted, or the destroying the perfectness of Christ's additions. Chrysostom. Or when you hear the words, least in the kingdom of heaven, imagining nothing less than the punishment of hell. For he oft uses the word kingdom, not only of the joys of heaven, but of the time of the resurrection, and of the terrible coming of Christ. Gregory. Or by the kingdom of heaven is to be understood the church, in which that teacher who breaks a commandment is called least, because he whose life is despised, it remains that his preaching be also despised. Hilary. Or he calls the passion and the cross the least, which if one shall not confess openly, but be ashamed of them, ye shall be least, that is, last. 
and as it were no man, but to him that confesses it he promises the great glory of a heavenly calling. Jerome. This head is closely connected with the preceding. It is directed against the Pharisees, who, despising the commandments of God, set up traditions of their own, and means that their teaching the people would not avail themselves, if they destroyed the very least commandment in the law. We may take it in another sense. The learning of the master is joined with sin, however small, loses him the highest place, nor does it avail any to teach righteousness if he destroys it in his life. Perfect bliss is for him who fulfills indeed what he teaches in word. Augustine. Otherwise he who breaks the least of these commandments, that is, of Moses' law, and teaches men so, shall be called the least. But he who shall do these least, and so teach, shall not indeed be esteemed great, yet not so little as he who breaks them. That he should be great, he ought to do and to teach the things which Christ now teaches. End of Matthew chapter 5 verses 11 through 19.